and welcome to another... Oh my god, how do we start? It's been like two months. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host Lee. Hello. And uh, I legitimately forgot how to start because it has been about two months since we sat down to record. Yes. I loved how, like, the last time we recorded, it was like, oh, we're banking a few. And now it's like, oh, thank God and we did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, you've been absolutely flat out with your uh, with your study and things yes. and work. So. Yes. No, I'm happy to return. That was nice to come back. It was a nice film to come back to. Nice, easy film. That's, yeah, that's what I was kind of hoping. Like, if we'd come back and it was the Bonwell film from last episode, you would have been like, why? Oh. Oh, <laughs> we got, like, some nice old um, Hollywood studio comedies at the moment. So yeah. it's nice. I'm excited, so. yeah. Um, but before we get into this week's film, um, non-Criterion, have you seen anything uh, good lately? Um, non-Criterion. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. You saw a couple. You saw a couple at Miff. Uh, you did yeah. manage to find some time though. So yeah, I saw Coda, which was mm. lovely. Yes. What about you? Yes. What have you seen? Um, I ended up not doing that much of the Miff um, as I would have hoped. I saw a. I think I ended up watching about nine, nine or ten in total. Um, I love how that's your not much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in any other year, I was initially booked in for like thirty. Before it kind of Holy. went all haywire. So, what was your what's your biggest number you've seen? Thirty eight, thirty nine, mm-hmm. I think, in like a two and a half week stretch. And that was like <laughs> that wasn't lockdown. That was you physically went and saw yeah. those films. Oh yeah, and the fatigue is real <laughs> <laughs> by the end of it, but it's the best. Um, but yeah, no, I also saw Coda, which um, I really enjoyed. Actually, it was kind of nice, perfectly sweet film for us all back in lockdown yeah i agree nothing too kind of strenuous or hard and it kind of gets you gets you with the feels and it's very formulaic but in a nice way i know what you mean about formulaic you're like all right i know what's gonna happen and then you're like oh but i really like what happened yeah like no no spoilers or anything but like the scene where they're swimming at like the dam Mm. i was just like oh my god Mm. all right trope you make trope tropes but you're like no but it works yeah it works I agree. Why, but just because a film is, you know, following the trope doesn't mean it's, you know, cheap or yeah. bad. I think you and I were talking about this the other week where we were saying, yeah, if something follows the tropes but it does it well, yeah. it reminds you why they're tropes and why they work. It's just tropes are only bad when you, they use them for the sake of that's what it is. Yeah. As opposed to actually making them work within the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. That's it. I agree. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the only other one that's kind of... It, I think as well, like, I was a little, not disappointed with the Miff selection. It was just sort of, not much wowed me. Yeah. Like it normally would. Um, But the one that I've kind of been mulling over in my head over and over again, kind of not kept thinking about, is this film called Celts. Celts. Okay. Celts. It's a uh, Bosnian film uh, set in 1991, and it's about, follows a family as they're throwing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle birthday party for their daughter. Yeah. But then it's sort of, it's... About how everyone's lives suck within that family, and it, yeah. Wow. Over the course of a night, like, dr- getting drunk and, like, letting emotions and shit out. and Interesting. Yeah, I, I really dug it. Hmm. Yeah. It was the movie that I was not expecting to see, like, a hard erect penis in when it's, like, the Ninja Turtle birthday party movie. <laughs> 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 and, like, full vaginal penetration. It was like, whoa! Are you serious? Yeah. Not, not involving the kids, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. 
But that was one where I'm actually just like was watching it on my laptop and was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I think I, if I ever saw that in a film, I would be like, whoa. Oh man, I cannot wait because we got, we got something coming up soon. Uh, we got In the Realm of the Senses coming up where... Woo! Okay. <laughs> you're gonna, I you're think my, f- my first like proper Criterion Quest film had a big erect penis in it. Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah throwing you in the deep end with that girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking of previous Criterion films, uh, before we get into this week's, it is time we have hit spine number two ninety one. We are ever close to breaking off another hundo. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, it is time to do a look back. Yes, I'm actually just got my list up because I knew you were going to um, spring this, this on you. <laughs> and and it, like we said, it's been a long time between films, so I've yeah. got to refresh my memory here. So, we're yeah. going from 281 to 291, is that right? Uh, to 290. Oh, sorry, 290. Okay, yeah. cool. So, 10 films inclusive. So, yeah. uh, I'll quickly run through them for the listeners as well. So... Uh, and if new listeners are what we do when we hit a new lot of 10 in the collection, we look back and we say, uh, what were some of our favourites and ones that we kind of didn't like as much? Yeah. So, uh, best and the worst of the last 10. And we have Jules and Jim, mm-hmm. Andre Vija, Three War Films, A Generation, Canal, Ashes and Diamonds, Divorce Italian Style, Burden of Dreams, F for Fake, Hoop Dreams, and The Phantom of Liberty. Ooh, this is a good bunch. Yeah, so I'm going to just automatically get right off and get the uh, my least favourite out of out of the way, and that is 100% F for fake. Oh, uh, yeah. I think that's my least favourite criterion so far that I've yeah. seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to hear the reasons why, listen to that episode <laughs> again. I uh, just didn't, like, you know, get, get why some people like it just really didn't connect with me. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. This is a tough, tough lot to try and pick a favourite from. I think it's, um, for me, it's definitely between Canal and, mm-hmm. and Hoop Dreams. Yeah. S- see, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to lean on, um, because if I can, if I can, like, I'm saying fuck it, I'm just going to nominate the whole box set. Because it's a spine number. So I'm just going to go with the Andre Vija three war films. Because yeah. mainly for Canal, um, but then also Ashes and Diamonds having some absolute gold in there. It does. So, and then kind of the the arc that all three films take as well is super impressive. Like, A Generation had some great stuff towards the end. Like, the shootout stuff. Like, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with that. Uh, honorable mentions for Hoop Dreams... Um, burden of uh, burden of dreams, just because I'm a big Werner fan, and <laughs> fucking divorce Italian style. I re- was really fun. Yeah, I'm bummed I missed that, but I also love that I got you and your wife to do it. <laughs> yeah, to do, to do a murder divorce comedy. Yeah. yeah, but I think um I'm with you 100. percent I think Canal was a masterpiece. Yeah, and it it's like the more I move away from Ashes and Diamonds, because I think it was just like bang bang, and Canal was so good. But the yeah. more I like like digest di- Ashes and Diamonds, I'm like, that was a really good film. That it's was a more really con- good yeah. film. It's less visceral and more contemplative. Like mm. it, it's allowing you to kind of yeah break. It's breaking down a different type of psyche towards the war, like in yeah. particular the ending of it. And yeah, definitely. I love yeah. I love the take of the end of war and you you have these yeah. I, we go into it in the episode, but you have what hmm. you would think the end of the war would look like and it's a different take and it's yeah 
good. But yeah, Hoop Dreams. Hoop Dreams Just blew my amazing. socks off. Yeah. I love, love, loved it. Yeah, I'm, I'd be intrigued to see if that's a film you end up going back to mm. every once in a while, just to be like, I want to I want to watch that again. Mm. So. Definitely. Um, but yeah, Phantom of Liberty, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. muddy by the meaning of life, light. <laughs> yeah. And Jules and Jim, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, it's, since we've recorded all of those episodes, I've uh, been reading Quentin Tarantino's novel of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And there's a whole chapter in that giving you the backstory of Cliff Cliff Booth, uh, Brad Pitt's character, and he I just it, just because we'd watched all of these films recently, it cracked me up that uh he fucking hates Jules and Jim, and he <laughs> and Canal is one of his favorite films. I love that. <laughs> I'm just like that. Wait, what? Because <laughs> we like time to read it. Yeah, that's it was a happy just, chance. Yeah, happenstance of that thing, and just like, well, that's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that he hates Jules and Jim. <laughs> yeah, I think I read you a passage where he said, like, if I were them, I would have let the bitch stay in the water. You know how she jumps in the ca- <laughs> she jumps into the sand, and they're just like, oh god. <laughs> that's yeah. so good. It just I feel like every time I do this, I've got to love the film we're watching. But it just reminds no. me when I hear things like that that just because it's in the collection doesn't mean. It's being, you know, held up on this pedestal. It's in there for lots of different reasons that could be yeah, in there. Yeah, like, to be honest, the only reason we're, like, we're, doing, we're one of the podcasts that goes through the Criterion is it's not necessarily putting it, like, the cult of Criterion up there. It's just because it's an order of world cinema. Like, yeah. you know, it's 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 a collection that we can go through you may, like in a specific order, so that's why it's like, oh, that's a nice one to do. So, But you're right. It's, it's almost like art is subjective. Mm-hmm. And we can <laughs> not like something that other people do. Yeah. That's so. it. Mm. Well, on that note, should we dive into this week's movie? Yes. All right. We have Ernst Lubitsch's 1943 classic, Heaven Can Wait. From 1943. Yeah. Uh, deceased playboy Henry Van Cleve presents himself to the outer offices of Hades, where he asks a bemused Satan for permission to enter through the gates of hell. Uh, Though the devil doubts that Henry's sins qualify him for eternal damnation, Henry proceeds to recount a lifetime of wooing and pursuing women, his long, happy marriage to Martha notwithstanding. Ernst Lubitsch's Heaven Can Wait, nominated for Academy Awards, is an enduring classic that showcases the filmmaker's trademark blend of wit, urbanity, and grace. Hmm. Urbanity. Hmm. That's a word I've not heard before. What do you think that means? It like to be urbanity, like uh, to be urbane, like kind of a um, well-mannered. Ah, yes. Yeah. But then C- think... courteous, courteous and well-mannered. Yeah, charming. Yeah, yeah. He's a charming fish. Uh, of which Don Amici definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued by this because you, uh, this is I have not seen that many young Don Amici performances. I primarily know him as a super old man. Hmm. Um, he, I think, was, for the longest time until Christopher Plummer um, beat him. Oh, no, and then this year, Anthony Hopkins beat him, uh, the oldest person to win an Academy Award. Oh. Do- Don Amici won Best Actor for Cocoon. Oh, I haven't seen Cocoon, but I know oh. what it is. Wow, that's surprising. I thought that would be a movie you grew up on for some reason. When was it? Like, 80s or something? 89? Ron Ooh. Howard film? That's okay. about, like, old people who find, like, a swimming pool that has alien eggs that makes them feel young. <laughs> wow. Super What, what a concept. It's got Steve Gutenberg. 
<laughs> and yeah, and that movie, uh, Don Amici won Best Actor, but he's also, um, he is one of the Duke brothers in Trading Places, one of my favorite films of all time. Which I now know you've never seen because of our last comment because of our last commentary track on ah, Patreon. <laughs> look, there is a lot. Let's yeah, be he's he's like the villain in that film. Him and his brother played by Ralph Bellamy. But um, yeah. So I had not seen many films of him actually as a young man. So it was cool to kind of see him and like, yep, you are fucking charming, dude. Yeah, nineteen forty three. How old do you reckon he is in this? Because if he's in movies in the eight late eighties, he must and be he's pretty freaking old then. Yeah, let me just quickly see. Da, 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 Don Amici was born when? Come on, crappy internet. <laughs> oh, God. He was born in 1908, so he was 35 when he made this movie. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he's about... We spend the most of the time with him at that age, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Because it's... It's an odd film. It's a very whimsical and lovely film for the first section. It's such a great setup of having a guy who shows up, like, we're assuming it's like, you know, when you die, he, it's like, a, I'm imagining it's like a corridor. It's like, go left for heaven, go right for hell. Yeah. And he's like, well, I assume I'm going to go this way. So he goes to hell and it's charming. Yes, it is. And I loved the opening of this film and him... Uh, convincing the devil, or I wouldn't call him the devil, but the judgment maker. I don't know what his role is, but he he, he is supposed to be Satan. But he's super. I love how in all these old movies, Satan is like charming and dapper. It's just like, no, no, my good boy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But the way they dressed or had the facial hair of that actor, you're like, yeah, he looks the kind of. It's subtle. He's a, carto- de- he's a cartoon devil. Yeah. But he's not, like, red or has a pitchfork. He's just kind of got, like, a, a turned-up um, moustache and a goatee. And, you're like, and a very high-peaking high eyebrows. Eyebrows, and, yeah. yeah. And a nice three-peat suit. And, yeah. yeah. I love the opening of this film and him coming in. And just I got swept up straight away in how yeah. people talk in the 40s. I'm sure they didn't talk in the 40s like this in real life, but in in all films in, like, this era, it's I just love the way they talk. I said to you, I wish we could talk... Uh, do this whole podcast talking in that old-timey way, but I couldn't keep... There's no way I could keep it up. Talking in that way would make Lee happy. (laughs) So very happy. (laughs) See, you could do it, but I couldn't. Um, Um, But it's it's a fun way to establish, hey, this is what this film is going to be. It's it's, it's a wonderful life, essentially. Like, it's... It's starting off with the back half of It's a Wonderful Life, where instead of being visited by Clarence, you know, it, it like the guardian angel being like, hey, let me prove you that life is worth living. It's the devil being like, tell me your story and we'll figure out together if you belong here. It's yeah. nice. And at the beginning, the, d- the devil doesn't want to listen to him. He's like, I'm very busy. But the more um, Henry with his... Um, charisma speaks to him he's like actually i do kind of want to hear you so not, not just that but like the way he's charming mrs cooper cooper before oh. she falls through the floor <laughs> i love that um we have this old woman who we don't get to know why she's there but no. by the time she finishes talking you like she's uh, barged into the devil's office demanding 
things and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> there's a little bit of me that's really happy about her ending up in hell because I feel like we've all come across that woman. Oh yeah. You just, you know, and you're like, yes. She's a, 19, she's a 1940s Karen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Mrs. And, Cooper Cooper was the original Karen. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that even though he's there and he knows he's been bad and that's why he's he's going to hell he can't help himself but oh i remember those legs Show i me know gams yeah check out them gams <laughs> and then this old girl yeah lifts her skirt up to show her ankles my god but then it like the de- like she's starting to lift up the skirt and the devil presses the button and she just falls through the floor and it was like that's hilarious but then it's punctuated with the devil saying my good boy some things are better left as memories <laughs> You're just like, that's superb. Like, this movie is great. This movie starts snappy. Yeah. And it is funny. And it is funny for the first, like you said, hour. Like, we get introduced to the family, and he's young, and all their characters are just fabulous. The, you know, anxious mother, the the stiff upper lift father, if he said stiff. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If he said stiff upper lift one more time, I was going to smack him. But, like,. (laughs) The, the grandfather who's, like, clued on, um, you know. Sees, and it, sees himself in Henry. And, yeah. yeah. And then he's go. there's a section where he, um, it's a little bit later on, but the son has been drinking with the French nanny. And well, no, no well, that's, that's Henry. That is young Henry. Yeah, young Henry. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. And um, the father, it's weird because it's almost like there's a generational thing going on of the men kind of end up kind of the same. And so that's why yeah. the grandfather's sort of clued on. But the dad is just like stupid or something. And he's just like the grandfather takes out the dad and says, now, my boy, um, I'm going to be how, real. How old are you? How old are you? There's no such thing as Santa, Father Christmas. And I'm going to tell you some truths in life. Yeah. And it's, he's essentially being like, are you dumb or just willfully ignorant? Yeah. Your son is drunk. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I love the beginning with, we are getting to know who Henry is. And at the beginning of his life, women fought over him. First yeah. being his mother, then his grandmother. And then we cut to a little bit later on. Uh, Henry is um, in the pram crying. Yes. And then he's, shut up! <laughs> oh, shut up, will ya? And, it's, and then he's like, this is, was my first lesson that taught me to be a cynic. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like two, it's great. Yeah, it's so good. It's just mm. snappy and good and the characters are funny. Um, and that, uh, maybe this is similar to what you were saying with the, the synopsis that you read, it's timeless like some of that humor is yeah. quite timeless yeah well that's that's kind of what Ernst Lubitsch was great at is just these effortlessly charming whimsical comedies yeah that within the studio system that you can't help but love yes like get, get, get wrapped up in the story because it's the I mean I don't mean to sound like dismissive but it's not shot overly impressive it, it's it's serviceably like, you know, it's very well shot, but it's not like... Mm. It doesn't wow you with its visuals. No. Um, but the way he's constructed his shots and he's allowing the story to unfold, uh, in particular with the performances and the scripting, it's charming as all hell. And you can't help but just immediately be like... Are, and, and the way that it's set up, you're like, why Why does this guy just think he deserves to be in hell? What has he done? You're waiting for the shoe to drop? Yes. 
I've got to say that I thought this was going to be a much darker film, like yeah. dark comedy film. Like it would always be quite lighthearted and funny and witty, yeah. but I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was like, yeah. he's going to be a real, you know, bastard. He's, he's going to be a cad. Yeah. He's going to be, yeah. But it's like, I, I was suspecting it was going to be that whole thing of, you know, he was a bit of a douche or a piece of shit throughout his life, but... You know, he in his later life, he learned to regret and he's making amends. And this, like him explaining this to the devil is kind of his, right. hey, you've learned to be a better person, therefore you can ascend kind of thing. But it's but not. it's not. It's like yeah. he doesn't stop being himself. Um, he doesn't really have remorseful moments, maybe, I wouldn't say. Um, um, th- there is an arc, I think, that we can get into a little bit later. Mm. But... but- it, it's primarily, like, my I, I really enjoyed the film, but there's one fundamental flaw, I think, with it. And it, it's when we're at the bookshop and Henry has first met Martha and he's trying to woo her and seduce her. Yeah. You've completely forgotten that this is a story being told to the devil. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And, and I think the movie itself forgets that. It gets too wrapped up into its own... Uh, romantic comedy narrative, which it does very well. Like that, I still include all of that section. I still include up until when they get bring her back from Kansas as like super enjoyable and fun. Mm. And then it's the film's kind of like, oh wait, we've we gotta put fuck. A- we've kind of wrapped up our story, and he's still only like forty. Yeah. Uh, fuck, we have to rush through the next like thirty-five years and just be like montage of ties. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, it becomes quite dull, really. Yeah, it, it loses that spark. Yeah, because it has so much in the yeah. beginning. It's so witty and fun. Um, yeah. And and, it, and it's that farcical elements of, like, they're predictable way. Like, you know, he's he's telling his mother that he's met the love of his life. And it's this, like, you know, lightning bolts and thunderstorms and typhoons. And you feel it instantly. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be the cousin's fiance. Like, you, you can predict yeah. it, yeah. but it's still fun. Like, when it's the reveal of, like, oh, that's her there, and we don't cut away, but the camera does the beautiful push-in on Amici's face, yeah. like, telling us all. It's great. I was going to say, um, the close-ups and the push-ins, they are. It's interesting you mentioned that about it's not shot. I, I would it's say... flashy. Probably, it's not it's flashy. It's flashy, but not flashy. But I would say, when did Citizen Kane come out? What year was that? It was after 38? The- oh, okay. So it was before this. But that was pretty revolutionary with its... Um, oh, incre- yeah. That, that broke them all. Sorry, yeah. 41. 41. 41. Okay. So two years earlier. Two years earlier. Whereas at this time, films weren't... Or directors, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but they weren't really experimenting with the camera. It was more yeah. about the costumes, the the um, background, the... The scripts a the lot. The scripts. Um, and then your very typical camera work. This was, a, this was the beginning of that era. Like, not to diminish, like, obviously there was incredible work being done in the 20s and 30s in terms of, I mean, fuck, even back into the 10s, like, you, you look at George Melius, the way, like, the first original special effects in camera tricks. I mean, Chaplin doing some of the stuff that he created in absolutely, and Buster Keaton, insane. Yeah. But, but they're kind of more doing gags or trick photography in that sense. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't mean no. to be complete. Like, but I think There's a whole history here, but it, it, yeah. it, like, 
Ernst Lubitsch, where he's where he's coming from as a filmmaker, he he's essentially a workhorse studio director, mm. he, a very 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 good one, mm. and so he knows how to make a film, but he's not necessarily like there's there's maybe a handful of shots like that we pointed out while watching it, being like, wow, that was gorgeous. The um whatever what scene the pull the giant crane shot at yeah. the end of the twenty fifth wedding anniversary when they're dancing like. Yeah. There's, there's, there's great and, stuff in there. There's moments. But it's interesting because it is, you know, I think that um, cinema, you know, it was all stage going to the theatre and all that sort of thing. And then it's moved into yeah. maybe that earlier stuff with people experimenting with film as a new medium, whereas now it's established as... You know, yeah, it's and, and around this time in the 30s and 40s is starting to be the rise of people like Orson Welles, Hitchcock's around at this time, kind of helping to reinvent how you can present a film and the visual language that's mm. behind it. And, you know, um, Technicolor is becoming a thing. This was Ernst Lubitsch's first and only uh, Technicolor film. Now, I believe you've explained to me what Technicolor is before, but... Oh, just colour, just colour, essentially. It's just filmed in colour. Yeah, yeah, it's Technicolor like is, is the, is the colour... The the, no, it's the colour processing yeah. of the actual film, yeah. Gotcha, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, like, it's interesting that you bring up the whole theatrical nature of certain types of, like, say these studio comedies at this time. Because this film was actually based off of a play. Ah. A very famous play so called Birthdays. Oh, I like that. That title's yeah. way... Oh, no, is it better? No, I like this title better, actually. Heaven yeah, can Heaven wait. Can Wait. It's... Um, although I will say, in prepping for this episode, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to watch the remake of Heaven Can Wait in prep for this. Nope. Not a remake of this movie, a remake of a different movie altogether. Oh, just sharing the same title? Just sharing the same title, yeah. Uh, Coincidentally, the original, like, I'm talking the Warren Beatty, Heaven Can Wait, from the 70s, um, that was then remade again by Chris Rock as Down to Earth. Okay. Um, But... uh, I haven't seen either. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, the, the original Heaven Can Wait... That Warren Beatty one is actually in Criterion. It's called Here Comes Mr. Johnson. So we'll do that eventually, and oh. my time will be have not wasted. We, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, have to try and remember this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking in a few years' time or something, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I do like the title of The Birthdays or Birthdays because it does seem to um, sort of punctuate or bookend or um, well, it's, segment it's the, f- the film. It's the framing device of the entire film. It opens with essentially like him, his first birthday or whatever. And then we're his 16th birthday, his 26th birthday, 36th. And yeah. then it's, and then it's like his 70th, his 60th. And then the 70th, like it's. And their wedding anniversary is always on their, on his birthday as well. So when we're seeing a 25th wedding anniversary, it's also his birthday. It's all wrapped up into this narrative. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I wonder if we become more sentimental or reflective when it's our birthday or something. I don't know, but it's probably just a, a book ending kind of segmenting tool, but yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of, and it's been a very long time since I've seen it, but say like a gone with the wind kind of thing yep. where we sort of jump in at moments in their life and then we move up, we, we take a huge leap of time, then come in again. And, yeah. um, yeah, it was interesting. I do love films like that, that do take, like, they're like, we're not going to tell, a, we're going to tell the story of a life, not this condensed kind yeah. of bubble story. And yeah, just being like, fuck it. We're going to jump 20 years. Yeah. Hold hold on to your socks. Hold on to like. your socks. Yeah. And I could see um maybe not so much Henry, but 
Martha's character was interesting to see how she developed throughout the time. So she's quite um, immature and childish and giggly and emotional, highly emotional when we first meet her. And and as the film progresses, she becomes more sure of herself, but also sure of Henry. Yeah. And, And, you know, we see her in that middle part on his, like, 45th birthday, I'm going to say, 35th, I don't know, somewhere, where yeah. she uh, discovers that he's been having affairs and all that sort of thing. But um, he hasn't, though. That's that's Hasn't the... he? No, no. It, I, it's, it, it, I legitimately think it, it was a Cartier mistake and stuff, and it's... The f- yeah, I... Okay. Yeah, because yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't clear, and especially since uh, we're being, you know we're holding him accountable for his actions. It's the whole point of this film is he's telling the story to the devil. Um, you kind of want it to be <laughs> clearer, but yeah, I guess. Well, it's- that's the, that's kind of the one fault of the film is because you're, you are expecting him to be shitty, mm. but as the film unravels, you're just like, he's not shitty. He's just, and it's, I think the one note that I wrote, like the major note I wrote down was, it's essentially a film about a man living for himself, surrounded by people—people uh, people who are living their lives for others. Yeah. And it—it's so. I mean, I wrote that not about halfway through the film. Maybe, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But it, it's basically that idea of why he thinks he belongs in hell and deserves to be in hell is because he feels kind of retelling his own narrative. He—he's been he was... living life for himself. Yeah. And you're like. Yes, but also by doing that, you touched and made other people's lives great, and you're unable to see that. It's interesting, isn't it? I, uh, yeah, I was expecting him to be way more of a scoundrel than he was, but it's, is it is, is it a reflection of we all feel that about ourselves? We all feel like we're worse than probably we actually yeah, are. That kind I, of I, self. I, I, doubt that self you know negative self-talk or something i don't know yeah henry just needed to go into therapy for a little while yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it's like i wrote down that being like oh that's what i can deconstruct this film essentially like that's its thesis kind of thing and so i was expecting at the end of the film the the devil to essentially like henry to be like that's my story so press your button which he does and then but then the devil's just like mm, nah you belong upstairs i'm like that's it there's mm. there's no there's no big speech of, my dear boy, but don't you see? Yes. You've been good all along. There was no Yes, that. yeah. That, I was like, where's our resolution? Yeah, like, it felt very unresolved. You want that catharsis. You want that release. And by having, it's like, especially after, like, because we, the audience, having seen it, we're like, he's not a bad guy. No. We need that release of a character to explicitly say to Henry, you're not a bad guy. But instead he's just like, you never know. Try your luck upstairs. You know what? This film would be really interesting if it was Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but instead of Hitler trying to convince the devil he's bad, he's trying to convince the devil he's good. Hitler can wait. <laughs> <laughs> the Fuhrer can wait. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That would be a great film, The Fuhrer Can Wait. <laughs> oh, my God. That is, uh, okay, yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> so you want the film to go, like, to the full extremes. Yeah. Like, you know, if we're, if we're going to play with this premise of an examined life, it's 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 essentially, I, th- I think uh, my problem with it is I've seen this exact film done way better. Mm. Um, I, I think better uh, in uh, Albert Brooks's film Defending Your Life. 
which has actually just recently come out on Criterion. Um, oh. It's a film that I fucking love. Um, I'm guessing you haven't seen it? No. I haven't seen anything it's, you say. You know where <laughs> Albert Brooks is, though? Yeah. Uh, broadcast news and yeah. Um, so he, he wrote, directed and stars in it. And he plays like this ad executive guy who gets hit by a bus and then finds himself in Judgment City. And he and his caseworker have to every day, every day sit down and defend his life as to why. And it's like a giant court debate thing over whether he deserves to go to heaven or hell. And then it's like, I has he lived yes. a good life? And he, fall, and he meets another soul waiting and it's Meryl Streep and they fall in love. It's fucking yes. great. I think yeah. I have seen it, but very long ago. Yeah. I can't I mean, really it, remember it. That's, it, it. that's like a way broader comedic take on a story like this where it's... And an examining a man's life and seeing if he's worth anything. Yeah. Whereas this is doing it in that more traditional narrative way. Um, I think um, it needed to lean more into that yeah. and less into the romantic comedy. I and think I, it was trying bad. Uh, yeah, I think it was trying to do both. And yeah. I just think that it did the, uh, the latter better. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the romantic comedy side of it. because Especially because Gene Tierney and... Don Amici are amazing in it, and they they their chemistry is fantastic, and it's great to watch all of that stuff. But it's like I said, you forget he's telling the story to the devil. It just needed you think a it's few... just you think it's just voiceover happening. Not yeah, it needed you to ca- come back in a few more times and see yeah. him say hey see see you know yeah do you see and the devil to be like well, I'm not sure about this, but I'll allow it. Continue, counselor. All he needed like- to say was I had black slaves. Well, no, he, I mean, that's not him. That's Martha's parents. Oh, that's the, true. the amazing Oh, my man. God. He was about Martha's to Martha's father. Yeah. He was were my amazing. favorite character. Yeah. M- Mr. Stable. And Stable as well. Stable, stable. Mabel, Table. That whole rhyming <laughs> thing about, like, getting the meat onto the table, that was fucking great. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, yeah, there's so much fun, bouncy wordplay and performance stuff in this. It's very clearly based off of a play because of that. It's that, like, I loved you said, like, 20 minutes and you're like, man, audiences in the 40s would have been rolling yes, over this shit. This would have been a freaking laughing, right? The fact that you and I are giggling, but I think we're giggling at the wrong bits. Like, no, the I funny th- way they talk. No, I'm legit, like, the gags are getting me and I'm yeah. enjoying it. I think this in the 40s would have been an absolute smash hit. This would have yeah. just, everyone would have freaking loved it. Yeah. No, it did very well for itself um, and, and was a big kind of, you know, fun, light hit. Yeah, I think um, I think I really enjoyed it, but I don't know if it's because it was really good or if it's just a really nice warm hug compared to yeah. some of the other shit we have to watch in it's this de- series. <laughs> it's definitely that, and it's something you slightly touched upon, I think, earlier of going... going I kind of want to go back to Martha for a little bit before mm. we wrap up, like... Mm. Because I, I would have enjoyed more time, because she has a definite arc, like like you were saying. Yeah. She, she grows and changes and understands and helps Henry do that. And I get that it's not her film, despite the fact that she has top billing. Um, but it's nice but, that she isn't just his wife. Yeah. That she she has a she has an interesting character arc as well, yeah. Yeah, it, it's something where, like, the way we're introduced to her is... She's a pretty face. <laughs> No, she's li- he overhears her lying to her parents, ah, and that's, and what that's gets how he's him. instantly yeah. in love. Like, and he's like, "That's an interesting character." So let's. But then that's kind of the only 
apart from the, you know, obviously eloping and marrying Henry instantly and stuff, the, there's the, the easygoingness of her mm. and the kind of fly by the seat of your pants nature is kind of not there. The next time we have a major incident with her is being like, I found a receipt and you're cheating on me and I'm leaving you. Yes, but I agree. Yes, I agree. But um, when, I mean, that do- yeah, when there's the scene of him coming to find her and she's like that's not going to work on me anymore he's trying all these tricks and she's like that's not going to work on me anymore i know your game so she still has that a little bit but you're right it all all conversations or any scene that we see her in revolves around him yeah and so she does sort of lose that sassiness about her a bit yeah and i I don't want to do that thing of why wasn't the film about her because because it wasn't but it's also they, they'd established some really interesting things for her character that I wish they had uh, kind of saw through, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But I also think that she's someone who makes her mind up. She's made her mind up and she she's aware of who Henry is and she sees him for who he is and she still loves him. Yeah. And and as I said, Jean Tierney in this role, I, th- I thought she was amazing. She was she perfectly cast. Yeah. Oh, I thought she was a great character as well. Um, I've got to mention also before we wrap up um, the soundtrack. Very oh, rarely yeah. do I watch a film from this era and go, "I know that song. I know that yeah. song." And uh, I think it's "Ta Ra Ra Boom Die." That was my my nana's favorite song. Oh, <laughs> that's lovely. It's fun. Yeah, I. There was so many songs. I'm like, I know this song. I know this song. It was good. The, there was the the Michigan J Frog song. The Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime girl. That just reminds me of Spaceballs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was great. And um, I love the cheeky kids that speak like adults. When this is done oh, right, yeah. this is fabulous. It's like little rascals. I hate when children hold an adult conversation with people who are 40 like they understand and comprehend what they're saying but when they talk like adults in this kind of way it's really funny the whole exchange of what's that you have a second beetle well that one looks very lonely maybe it should be with my beetle you want both my beetles i would never suggest such a thing that that kind of thing is (laughs) so funny i love 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 it amazing i that's that's where this film i'm like all right you got me. Yeah. I'm, I'm hooked. Where, I'm where are we going now? Yeah. You've got, you've got kids pretending they're adults. Mm. Fucking in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, lots of fun little things. But, yeah. Um, yeah, like, overall, solid. It, it's just, I, I wish it had hammered home its point of, you know, a, a, li- you know, a life examined, essentially. Like, you know, it is... Hey, you're living your life for yourself, but also it's oh, that's okay as long as you positively impact the lives of people around you. Yeah, that's. I have and, a question. Why does he think he needs to go to hell? Why is he convincing the the devil? It's is that well, just that's his, I, his his own poor self judgment yeah, of himself? Well, exactly. It's, it's that. Like I said, it's he he believes he's lived his life for no one but himself. Like he's yeah. been a kind of selfish Prick. person, but which is why it was so disappointing for me at the end that there was no. Don't you see? Yeah. You've actually made lives better for yeah. everyone around you. He could have and even I think been that's... disappointed. The, the devil could have been like, ah, you know, yeah. like, or something. Yeah. Like, if he's like, I got it, I got a good one here. It's like, oh, he's actually, uh, no. Yeah. yeah. Get but out of here. But the, and it's because it's interesting because the devil knows it with the Mrs. Cooper Cooper scene at the beginning. The, the reason the devil, he, you can see it on his face. He's just like, oh, 
this is a nice guy who this woman hasn't seen him in 40 years but he made an impact on her and yeah. she still remembers because he's a good person yeah and he you can see like the performance of the devil he knows it there but he's like i'm gonna I'm let this guy figure this out on his own yeah but at the end he still kind of hasn't yeah I which know. is frustrating mm. but it's super fun along the way and yeah. it just just tighten up that last 20 minutes maybe yeah but... i agree yeah um, do you have any trivia for me, Chris? I do. I do have some trivia. Uh, so, kind of teased on the Criterion synopsis, the film was nominated for three Academy Awards, uh, including Best Cinematography, Colour, Best Director, and Best Picture. I love when someone says nominated, because you don't say... The, <laughs> you only say nominated when they didn't win. You never follow yeah, exactly. it up with, and they no, won. <laughs> I, I, I usually try and couch it in, like, it was nominated for six, but it won eight. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. yeah. But yeah, it was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, as I said, this was uh, Ernst Lubitsch's only completed Technicolor film. Uh, the lead role of Henry was actually written for Frederick March or Rex Harrison. Oh, Rex Harrison would have been good. Yeah, uh, Ernst Lubitsch was most disappointed when 20th Century Fox, uh, the executive there, Daryl Zanuck, uh, insisted on casting Donna Michi for his commercial reasons. He was a big star at that time. Uh, Lubitsch later recanted his opposition to Amici uh, when the actor won him over with his dedication and professionalism. I still could see Rex Harrison smashing this film. Yeah. But I, um, I agree that he did a good job. <laughs> in a 1983 interview, Don Amici said that th- this is his favourite film that he ever worked on. Aww. Uh, Gene Tierney, though... Uh, who played Martha, recalled during the production, this is a quote from her, Lubitsch was a tyrant on the set, uh, the most demanding of directors. After one scene, (laughs) which took from noon until five to get, I was almost in tears from listening to Lubitsch shout at me. The next day I sought him out and I looked him in the eye and I said, Mr. Lubitsch, I'm willing to do my best, but I just can't go on working on this picture if you keep shouting at me. He responded, he bellowed, I'm paid to shout at you. And she responded, yes, I'm, I'm, and I'm paid to take it, but I'm not paid enough. Woo-hoo-hoo! And then after a pause, Lubitsch broke into laughter, and then they got on famously after that. I love that. What a great story. Yeah, so that was uh, taken from Gene Tini's autobiography. So that, oh, yeah. That's a great story. I love that. I can see why they picked her for this role. She's a little sasspot. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really about it in terms of, like, fun, nice trivia. There's a lot of, like, hey, the, this act, the actor who played his grown-up son was only six years younger than him. Like, eh, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who cares about that? So we'll quickly move on to the actual Criterion edition itself. So the film is still in print from Criterion as a one-disc DVD and a one-disc Blu-ray. And it comes with a new 4K digital restoration uh, by 20th Century Fox and the Academy Film Archive. Um, Conversation from 2005 between film critics Molly Haskell and Andrew Saris. I I actually kind of want to watch that. Hmm. Uh, Episode of 1982... Episode from 1982 of Creativity with Bill Moyers exploring... Screenwriter Samson Rafelson's life and career. Audio semin- seminar with Rafelson and critic Richard Corliss recorded at the Museum of Modern Art in 1977. Home recordings of director Ernst Lubitsch playing the piano. <laughs> as, <laughs> so as that's well great. As, yeah, trailer and then the usual booklet and essays that Criterion usually do. 
Do you have a tagline? Oh, no. Before we do that, I think we should hear from someone, shouldn't we? I know, yeah. So, it, it, like we said, it's been fucking two months. Oh my We've forgotten how we do this. So, yes. Uh, we, you've heard our thoughts on the film, so I think it's about time that we hear what someone else thinks this film might be about. So that music means it's time once again for Claire's... What's this movie about? All right. So we're back to America now. An American film from 1943 called (laughs) Heaven Can Wait. I feel like I've heard this. Heaven Can Wait. Heaven Can Wait. From 1943. Can I see the picture again? So there's angels wearing ball gowns. Not ball gowns. Kind of like flapper outfits. Flappery gowns. A lady with a floofy shirt on, or maybe it's a dress. A billowy dress. And a man. Heaven can wait. 1943. Hmm. Um. Ooh, heaven. So it's like death. How about two people that have in different situations been told that they're like going to die soon and they get told like one's like oh you have cancer blah 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 the other one's like oh you have what's an old disease leprosy you're gonna die (laughs) (laughs) what's a normal disease leprosy (laughs) old oh old disease polio you have polio okay okay but people live i don't know anyway yeah two different diseases then they've got a year to live. And they're like living it up, doing their bucket list, and they meet at a dance. Like old fashioned, that's where the girls are mm-hmm. with their beautiful wings. So they meet, they dance, they fall in love, and neither of them wants to like admit to the other person that they're going to die soon. So there's just like a lot of like missed connections and things, but mm. they're still trying to date each other. And in the end, they admit it to each other. But somehow, because heaven can wait for them, they don't die and they live Aww. happily ever after. That's a sweet romantic comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was it a romantic comedy? Kind of. And you, I mean, yeah, you weren't right, but it was oh. nice. <laughs> One day. Um, but yes, that, that, that's what Claire thought of the film. <laughs> um, now, Chris, do you have a tagline for me? Uh, if you give me 10 seconds, if you want to fire off yours. Okay. Well, mine's not very good. Mine is, um, heaven can wait a scandal's judgment. That's, that's nice. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I went for... Fun is for tonight, love is for forever, heaven can wait. Oh, that's pretty. I'm, I'm for- like, that That seems very 40s marquee yes. booster. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm voting for yours. Yours wins. <laughs> I also wanted to write heaven can get fucked, but I thought no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, hell looks more fucked this This was actually a nice movie. Yeah, yeah, if this film sucked, maybe. No, but- no, that's what I mean. I mean, like, the, uh, hell looks more fun. That's what I yeah. mean. Um, well, I'm glad that you enjoyed the 1940s kind of farcical comedies because we've got another one coming up next next episode. 
We're going to jump from uh, Ernst Lubitsch across to uh, one of my favourites, Preston Sturges, with his 1948 film, Unfaithfully Yours. Ooh. Mm. Sensing a uh, theme here. Yeah, I've, I've not seen this, but I'm a big fan of some earlier Preston Sturges stuff that we've uh, covered here, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Oh, it's got Rex Harrison. Oh, there we go. Yes, I love him. Okay. Just, you asked for it and then you got it. Yes. <laughs> Cool. Um, but yeah, as as always, uh, if you got any comments, queries, we'd love to. We always love hearing from you guys. Uh, what you think of the films, or just anything in general, you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail uh, We've got our Patreon up and running, where we're doing some fun stuff over there. Uh, monthly audio commentary tracks and all sorts of bits and bobs. Um, the, uh, our Instagram and all that. I'll just link everything's in the show notes. Just check it out all there. Yeah. But uh, it's good to be back after a two-month hiatus on the recording end. So it's great to be back. It is great to be back. I enjoyed it. Mm. So uh, thank you for joining us, Lee. And uh, for this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Lee. We'll see you next time. The stars that shine.